Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. A little bit of a delay there. Apologize for that. Hope you are enjoying your basketball season and the middle of December. If you got questions for us, there's always one way to get a hold of us. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. There's numerous ways to do it, and you should be able to figure it out if you're a fan. If not, we will have something scrolling at the bottom of your screen momentarily to remind you. Um, it is that time of year where it's, it's, it's an interesting time of year, to be blunt. There are teams who haven't played in about, let's see, today's the 13th, oh, probably anywhere from a week to 10 days, and they won't play for another several weeks. They will go a month between games. Now, there's a variety of reasons for that, some due to restrictions of the school, for example. You know, you got finals, and then they don't want to have a, um, them participating necessarily during a break, um, in whatever case. Some schools aren't traveling this year, can't afford to travel, whatever the case may be. So they won't go anywhere for games. And, of course, the other big reason is that in the East Coast, especially anybody who wants to participate in ECACs, and this is where I think this is getting a little, and and maybe I'm wrong, but this is the last I checked. Maybe this is getting a little convoluted. They need to take a certain amount of time off. Um, I think it's like something like 10 consecutive days uh, or they're not eligible for that tournament besides being over 500 to begin with. I think the ECAC controlling that at this point in time with their um, their lack of influence is maybe a little over the top. But I digress. Maybe that rule's changed since the last time I checked in on it. But you get as a result a lot of teams who are idle right now. On the women's side, there are 11 teams in the top 25 idle this week. Starts with Bowden, who's at 8 0, who's idle. Then you can jump down to Amherst, who's 6 1. Of course, similar that they're in the same conference. That's the NESCAC, who takes some time here. Trine is 8 1 and is idle. SUNY Geneseo and Gettysburg are both idle. DePaul, Oshkosh, Texas, Dallas, Randolph-Macon, Wartburg, and Emory and Henry. All idle. Those receiving votes. Trinity, Connecticut, another NESCAC team. Millsaps, uh, Middlebury, another NESCAC team. Rochester Tech, DeSales, Misericordia. All idle. As a result, there's been no losses on the women's side. There's actually been just barely any games this week. Um, the Tufts defeated Emerson, no surprise, rather easily. Scranton defeated York surprisingly easily. I thought York... Would give up a little bit more of a fight there, 89-46. George Fox played Warner Pacific and won easily. Messiah defeated Lycoming by 11 to get to their 10th win. East Texas Baptist defeated Howard Payne. That's it. That's all that is played in the top 25 on the women's side. On the men's side, it's about the same. Um, Again, you've got teams that are in the NESCAC who are idle. But Williams, Hamilton, and Whitman are idle. You also have... Uh, Plattsburgh State, Worcester, Randolph, Macon, Wabash, and Salisbury, along with Middlebury Idol. That's that's nine teams on the men's side in the top 25, plus Scranton, Johns Hopkins, uh, both Idol as well in the receiving votes category. Again, some schools there in the NESCAC mentioned there and schools who are similar. So you get this really weird period of time now, which I guess, you know, I haven't been able to fully appreciate 
as I'm usually busy with Stag Bowl this time of year, and hats off to the gents who are already in Shenandoah, Texas, for the Stag Bowl this year. But you just, this is a time of year where you still get some games, and, and it's one of the reasons we, we are scheduled to be on the air through the 20th, through a week from tonight, because you still have games being played. Now, because of what I was reading today and, and the lack of games, we are going to double-check next week. Make sure there's some games. And we'll double-check in the next 24 hours. Make sure that we should still stay on the air for a show on the 20th. But we want to give you as much in-depth co- coverage as we can. We usually do a show then because it works with Stag Bowl. By the way, on the men's side, Rochester lost to Ithaca, which was a surprise to begin with. I think Ithaca was 4-3 and three entering that game. And Rochester lost to him by 15, 85, 70. Not pretty. Rochester had risen to 13. You could make an argument maybe that was a little too high. I don't know where I've got them. I don't have my top 25 once again. Well, maybe it is right here. Hold on. Bear with me. Under it. Yep, there it is. I've got Rochester sitting at, where are they? There. I am I am in 13. Maybe it's high, but you know when you're undefeated, some of the times that starts to rise to the top. Not all the time, but sometimes. The other team that lost, Plantville, lost to Wheaton, 99-77. Plantville's 5-3. Got to wonder what's going on with Plantville. I thought they were going to be better this year. Maybe I completely misread that. We'll see them in Vegas. I'll get a better answer on that, to be sure. So tonight's show is kind of about, okay, you're still playing. Maybe there's some travel involved. You're, you're dealing with exams. You're, you're dealing with holiday distractions in general. You're dealing with travel distractions, whether they're with the team or, or it's personal, you know, going home for the holidays. Everybody's dealing with some kind of distraction this time of year. It's a weird time of year, not only, um, not only for um, – finals reasons and not only for basketball reasons but obviously personal reasons and so and, and it's not only basketball is what i meant to say it's also ice hockey it's just a weird time of year in sports and you don't get this necessarily in the fall you don't necessarily get this with spring sports yes they all have to deal with finals to some degree and in the spring you certainly have to deal with um you have to deal with graduations eventually if you're still playing but the rest of the time, it's it, it doesn't have this weird break. Yes, you could argue maybe spring break, but most teams use that to travel and play. So there's there's less of a distraction. We literally have a time where teams are spending a month not playing basketball. Maybe some practices to keep them fresh, but how fresh are you going to keep a team and how focused are you going to keep a team if they're not playing for a month and you decide to keep them one more week to, to practice? It, it may be hard to keep them kind of on task because they know a break's coming. They know that what you're practicing now may not necessarily help them in a couple of weeks because they're going to be sitting on the couch at home. Now, granted, players get up and practice, don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're going to have formal practices. We'll hear from a few coaches and their thoughts on that, and we'll even hear from a student-athlete's point of view tonight. Coming up on the show tonight, a couple of interesting teams that I wanted to talk to this year for a variety of reasons. Um, we'll start out west with uh, Pomona Pitzer. Charles Ketsia Fekas joined us on the show to talk about his um, his squad, their big high of beating Whitman in double overtime. I wouldn't call it a low, but a certainly different outcome against WashU. He's pretty frank about what happened in those games, and it's an interesting take, but he also talks about this time of year.
Then we'll fly all the way to the East Coast, talk to Muhlenberg women's basketball coach Ron Roan. Muhlenberg never seems to go away in the Centennial Conference. It's a long time since Muhlenberg was running the system with not a lot of talent. And since then, Ron's had teams that are always at the top of the conference. So what what is the secret for him? And granted, other teams have been successful, but they have their downs, and Muhlenberg hasn't has as big a down. So we'll talk to Ron Roan about that and how he manages the distractions at a school, much like those in the NESCAC, where certainly academics... Yeah, all schools take a priority, but academics are on a different level, at least as you are told when talking to people. So we'll talk to him. Then we'll head to a most intriguing team of the season, Thomas More Women's Basketball. They are squeezing in as many games as they can before conference season gets going because they don't have a conference, per se. They certainly don't have a conference schedule. They are on their way to hope for another tournament this weekend. We will talk to Madison Temple, their star senior guard, about what this is all like. She will join us to talk it all through. And then we will switch back to men, and we'll talk to a team who is certainly highly considered, national runner-up, but with a new head coach. Matt Lewis, the interim head coach of the Oshkosh Titans, will join us to talk about the season so far, their lone loss, what the WIAC might look like this season, and how he keeps his team focused this time of year. So that's all coming up. And again, if you've got questions for us, as I just noticed our text is a little off. I think it's been off for a little while. You can always join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville or email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. There'll be plenty of time throughout the show to ask us questions. We certainly would hope... You will uh, try and do that. Jay Cozen says, I tuned into Ithaca versus Rochester game. It was not impressed by Rochester even a little bit. Thoughts? Ithaca has a junior guard, Riley Thompson, who's averaged more than 24 points a game and starts to look for his shot a few dribbles past half-court line. I was impressed by him. Ithaca is average but played great against Rochester. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there, Jay. Um, let's start with... Being impressed with somebody who takes a couple of dribbles over midcourt and looks for his shot. Uh, I appreciate that Riley Thompson is scoring 24 points a game, but I am not the kind who gets impressed with someone who goes a couple dribbles over half court and starts looking for his shot. He seems to forget he's got other teammates. Ithaca is average, and I think that's part of it. Uh, now, I'm not trying to dismiss Riley Thompson as a talent. Uh, I haven't been able to spend more time watching him. His points per game production is pretty good, but they, they may need to get have him get the rest of the team involved. And yes, the rest of the team may not be his talent, but sometimes they can get better if they are handed the ball. And maybe that's not something to um, take lightly. If you are dribbling the ball and running things, it's you're, you're eventually you think it's going to take its hits because they're going to shut you down and nobody else can contribute because you haven't gotten anybody else involved. As far as Rochester, yeah, I can understand that. I think, you know, Ryan Scott and I said on the last show, we weren't blown away by Rochester. To some degree, they're going to rise because they're still undefeated. They're well coached. We know the program well. Luke Flakertsy has a good program. I watched him against St. John Fisher, and I thought they played well. 
I also thought the the play that tied it to force overtime was well crafted by the players on the court. That was not crafted in the lot in the in the on the bench, as it were. Wasn't crafted in practices. So I I can appreciate what they can do. It doesn't mean they're not going to have an off night. It doesn't mean somebody else isn't going to beat them. By fifteen was certainly surprising. Um, I think we have to get used to the fact that a lot of teams aren't going to look incredibly awesome, especially in the top 25. I think people have this misnomer that those teams in the top 25 are somehow um, in a league above everybody else, and that isn't necessarily true. We have, a again, a lot of parity in this division. We've had for several years now. This year we may have a, a crop of better great teams than we've had in the past at the top. It may be deeper, six, seven, eight, maybe ten teams that are quote-unquote great this year. But in the past, it's been one or two or three. Everybody else has been pretty darn good. I think Rochester's in the pretty darn good category. That doesn't mean they're not going to lose because there's a lot of really good teams that can beat them. Um, and there's a lot of times a team can beat themselves. And I think let's watch a little bit more here by Rochester. I, 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 I'm not going to tell you they blow me away when I watch them. But they also somehow get it done. Um, Matthew writes, uh, Stevens Point has to travel to Minnesota Saturday in Thousand Oaks. Lots of traveling. Well, maybe. I'd argue that's not really a lot of travel, to be blunt. The women's team's heading to Vegas, so that's more travel. And I will introduce you to the Thomas More women's basketball team that has been out in the last week to the West Coast and back and played about six games. I think they're, 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 they've got more travel. Nothing against traveling into Minnesota, but it's all about perspective. You go down to Texas, and there's teams who are traveling in conference eight to ten hours, one way. So let you know, I, I I'm not gonna. Yes, Stevens Point's getting some traveling. Don't get me wrong, I get it, but it's not a lot of travel. Um. Also, Nate Dodge is top five defensive player and offensive player for sure. Okay, in your opinion, we'll get back to that. I think there's a lot of good defensive players and offensive players out there this year. Top five? You're telling me he's a first-teamer? I'm not ready to jump on Nate Dodge being a first-teamer right now. Um, it's not a knock on him. There's a ton of good guards this year. There's a decent amount of forwards, but Nate Dodge is in a thick, thick category. We've talked about that on the show. And Brian writes, uh, Oshkosh going all the way. Well, we hope. They're going to have to get through the conference. We just got done talking about Stevens Point, who's darn good themselves. Um, Whitewater's showing they may be pretty decent. Platteville may turn it around. The Wyack's going to be a dogfight, and Oshkosh is going to have to get out of that conference alone. By the end of the year, he will be. I, 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 Matt, fine, Matthew. I'll take your word for it. I, I don't agree. Um... We'll see. Let's let's let him prove that. But I, I'm not ready to, to jump on that statement right now about Nate Dodge. And that's not a knock on Nate Dodge. He's a very good player, but it, we need to see more than what? How many games is Stevens Point? But seven games. We are about a third of the way through the season, about a quarter somewhat of the way through the season. Yeah, between a quarter and a third of the way through the season, there's a lot to play here. Let, let's let's just we'll wait on it. All right. Um, 
Brian says they were so close last year. Yes, yes, Brian, they were close last year, but here's the difference. That was last year. I can't tell you how many times we've seen in Division Three a good team who should produce the same return the next doesn't return to the same next year because the tournament will be different. The conference is different. There's so many factors. Not to mention the fact they have a coaching change. And while others will tell you Matt Lewis is good, and I'm not saying he's not, it's still a change. What Pat Yuckum would do during a timeout or during a heat, a, a tense moment in the tournament, Matt Lewis hasn't gone through yet. We don't know how Matt Lewis is going to react to when Oshkosh needs a timeout or or needs a break or or whatever. We haven't seen that yet, and we haven't seen how the players respond around Matt Lewis yet either. We've only seen, again, a quarter to a third of the season. So, yes, Oshkosh is good. I'm not denying they are not. They are good, but so is Stevens Point. Platteville was probably going to be darn difficult to deal with, and so is Whitewater. That's just in conference. Then you get into the NCAA tournament, should Oshkosh make it, and we all know already by Oshkosh's own history that it's not easy to get to the Final Four, let alone to the championship game again. It's been a long time since we had a team in the championship game on back-to-back years. Oshkosh is 20 points better than Whitewater. Okay, Sean, if you say so. How about we play the rest of the season? And there's a long season ahead of us. And uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about on whether that is the case. Phil writes, uh, the YouTube event hasn't begun. Well, that's weird. Oh, I know why. Whoops. Uh So hopefully the YouTube page has started. I'm going to keep an eye on this here. Uh, we forgot to change the settings in our system to send this to uh, YouTube. I'm hoping it's triggering now. Yep, it has. Hey, YouTube! Sorry about that, folks. We're 20 minutes into the show, and I just found out we weren't streaming on YouTube. Sorry. We will repeat most of what we were talking about earlier. Later in the show. But I can repeat a few things now. That's unfortunate, guys. I do apologize for that. Um, We were talking about Stevens Point having Nate Dodge and being pretty good. We were talking about Oshkosh being pretty good. All factual. All with a lot of season ahead of them. Uh, We were also talking about how there's so many teams not playing this time of year. Also factual. Lots Lots teams playing, lots of teams not playing. Um, Sean writes, just based on watching them versus Alma within 24 hours. All right, Sean, so you're making a determination that Oshkosh is 20 points better than Whitewater by watching a game against Alma. Yeah, no, can't jump on that one. Brian, thanks for agreeing. I appreciate it. I agree, and Alma was the best team they played so far. Well, that's the knock with Whitewater right now is that Maybe their schedule has been a little light. I'm not voting for Whitewater right now. I only have two teams in the in the WIAC in my top 25, um, and one of the reasons is I didn't I haven't seen what Whitewater and Whitewater hasn't put a schedule together yet that tells me a lot of information. Considering how many transfers and new players they've got there, I want to see a little bit more before I jump on board. But I I still know what the WIAC brings on a daily night in conference play. I still know that those four teams alone 
are going to be difficult, and no one's probably going to go through this conference undefeated. If someone goes through this conference undefeated, wowza. And we still haven't talked about the other teams in this conference who on any given night could win. Yes, Eau Claire doesn't look awesome this year in men's basketball, but they doesn't mean they're not going to get one right. doesn't mean they, not, they aren't going to give somebody a hard time, especially at their place. Um, I, I just, I, the WIAC has become one of the more difficult conferences on any given night in conference play. Um, the ODAC, I think, is in there. The MAC Commonwealth is in there. And I'm not talking about the best conferences per se, but I'm talking about the competitiveness in conference play on any given night regarding any game. The WIAC may be the most difficult. The MAC Commonwealth is up there, though people don't really realize it because they don't produce teams at the top. But on any given night, the MAC Commonwealth is a beast. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, the CCIW is in that conversation too, in terms of any given night. And, And Wheaton has been showing that both positively and negatively. I mean, Wheaton goes and beats Illinois Wesleyan, and Illinois Wesleyan goes on to lose to Augustana. But Wheaton also lost to North Park, and North Park got a couple big wins, but they've also struggled. So those three, four conferences, just in terms of competitiveness, are unreal. Now we add in the, the incredible abilities that those teams have in terms of talent and national considerations and the WIAC is it's one of the reasons WIAC's in the top five. It's the reason the CCIW's in the top five. It's why I still say the ODAC's in the top five, even though they haven't produced the national competitiveness we've seen. They've still been more consistent, or that we've seen in recent years. They're still more consistent. It makes for a fascinating um, time of year. Uh, we'll see in these season. We'll see what happens to WIAC exactly. Well, Sean, if that's all you've got to go on is a common opponent the last 24 hours, that's not much to go on. And this is what, listen, this is why common opponents can be dangerous, folks. Matchups for starters change everything. A team can match up better against one team than another. That doesn't mean that any of those teams is the same difference, better or worse. Um. I, I can't sit here and tell you that a team is 20 points better than another based on one common opponent. I can't. No. There's a bigger resume out there. There are so many factors into those different results that you cannot use across the board to compare. Now, regionally rankings, regional rankings, regional committees, national committees will use those scenarios, but that's because they're getting so deep into the weeds trying to differentiate teams that they need some kind of tiebreaker. But notice in the regional rankings, they don't tell you Oshkosh is 20 points better than Whitewater. So, yes, I understand that there's a difference in points in their game against Alma, in their games against Alma. But that does not translate. And, and by the way, should should Whitewater beat Oshkosh, Sean, you're now stuck on a 20-point prediction here. <laughs> you got to go on what else you see in other games. That's what I try and do. I try and look at other games and use those all. Yes, I'll look at comparison. I will use it as a win-loss, but I'm not going to say. Once it gets past a certain amount of points, 
argument will be maybe 10 or 12. I, I, I don't care anymore. Um, if a team beat a team by 10 and a team beat them by two, I know both games were close. If a team beat somebody by 20 and somebody beat them by two, I, okay, I at least understand that there was a difference in scoring there, and it may help me make a decision if it's up to those two teams, but it's not dictating to me who's better by a certain amount. Hello, Andrew. We talk about hope tonight or not. Andrew, we try and talk about hope when we can. Um, I, I understand Platteville's good, Andrew, but they're also five and three. Uh, having lost, who they lose? They lost to Wheaton, which isn't bad. They'll take on Hope. I'm not saying Platteville's bad. I just don't know why they're five and three. That surprises me. You think the Hope Curls could take could take number one? Not right now. Um, maybe if they play Thomas Moore and win, if they were to play Thomas Moore this weekend and beat them, maybe they can take over number one from Bowden. But the game against Finlandia will not get them past Bowden, and they and they need to be playing Thomas Moore and win to maybe have a hope. Um, but that also means a whole mess of voters have to jump off of Bowden for that to end up being the case. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we got our first interview out of the gates. Brian says, if you want to get rid of that awesome jersey on the door, I'll take it. Nope, Brian, I'm not. If you'd like to get somebody to send one in... To go with it, go ahead. But those jerseys you see in my studio are going nowhere. We actually have a few more to hang in the uh, break in the holidays. All right, going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk Skyak basketball with uh, Pomona Pitzer men's basketball coach uh, Charlie Katsiafekas. Join us next. You're watching Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more Hoops Hill after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Now that we finally got our YouTube page fully up and running, hope you're enjoying it on YouTube. Sorry for the delay there. One little hiccup there, and we didn't get it pointing in the right direction. Got any questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Our first guest is out of the West Coast in the Skyac. Pomona Pitzer made news, starting 6-1 and one this season by defeating Whitman back on November 24th and double overtime 112-109. Six days later, unfortunately, they lost on the road in St. Louis at Wash U, 66-62, before then winning 88-76 against Alma the next day. Back home, got into conference play and defeated Claremont Mud Scripps, picked to finish in the top four, 73-65. They got a game tonight, and then they're into nothing but Division Three opponents, and they've got a couple coming up that we'll have our eyes on, including the game against Harden-Simmons on December 29th. There's a lot to wonder about the Sage Hens. What exactly do we make of a win against Whitman in double overtime, yet a loss to a pretty good Wash U squad just six days later? Well, we figured we'd talk to the sorts. Charles Katsiafekas joins us earlier, better known as Coach Cat, to talk about that result in particular and what it meant in the grand scheme of things. Also, he talked about what the Skyac could look like this year and why real reality out there is very different than reality elsewhere. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of Pomona Pitzer. It is Charles Katsiafikas. And coach, thanks for taking the time. You bet. Glad to be on. I appreciate it. Uh, we should point out you have a game later, so we are pre-recording this one. Guys are off to a 6-1 and one start. Uh, granted, to uh, two of those schools and about to be a third, to teams we don't know all that well here in Division Three land. Um, but how has the start felt from your point of view? I, I'm really pleased with the way our team has started this season. Obviously, we've only had one conference game, and so we're still building up to the post-semester break part of the season where you get into your conference, and really that's kind of the, the meat and potatoes of things. But as you say, we've played a couple games here. We, we opened up with Biola, who in the Division Three world not a lot of folks know about, but uh, that was just a tremendous start for us, beating them in our opener. We've been playing them for – probably 20 years now, and we had only beaten them once prior to this year. So that win kind of really got us going. We have good senior leadership this year, and so far we we feel very good about the start we've put together. Yeah, wins in Division Three. You got that one in Game 3 uh, at a, at Claremont where you uh, beat Willamette. Uh, and then Whitman the next night went double overtime. That kind of got you some attention, Coach. Uh, some people kind of noticed you beating uh, one of the top dogs in Division Three this season. Uh, 112-109. What went right in that game? Well, that that was really a it, it was really a phenomenal game. I mean, both teams really played well. It was a game where teams kept making plays to keep themselves in the game. Both Whitman and ourselves continued to just push the bar higher and higher as the game went on. And uh, so it was really a phenomenal Division Three game. I think anybody who saw it really appreciated the level of play that they saw. But for us, obviously handling their pressure is a key when you play them. Mm -hmm. They come after you the whole time, and uh, our guys did a, a, a really good job. I don't know. I mean, I think we only had around 15 or 16 turnovers that game. And to go double overtime against them and take care of the ball like that is really a key. Uh, the next game happened almost a week later. At this point, now you've jumped into the top 25 with some voters uh, noting your win over Whitman, and you take on Wash U. And it was a very different game. One, it didn't go overtime. Two, it was half the points. 
uh, and three, <laughs> it, it didn't go your way. It was a loss 66-62. So kind of an juxtaposed what went wrong in that game. Yeah, uh, you know, you could you could come up with a, a, a bunch of reasons, but at the end of the day, we got off to a very slow start in that game, and I think we had dug ourselves a 15 or 16 point hole midway through the first half, and then we, you know, we we finally, you know, got our legs and and, and got going, and, and by around the 10 minute mark, I think it was a pretty even game, and. Then down the stretch, we just didn't manage to get the job done. We had some chances to, to, to grab that one, but unfortunately just uh, didn't do what we had to do down the stretch. Yeah, certainly came from behind. This is a young team. You've got two seniors on this squad. One's Daniel Rosenbaum, who's leading the way right now at 20.5 points a game. The other one's Corbin Koch, uh, 8.7 points a game. Both of them are starters for you guys. Uh, your leading rebounder, though, is a sophomore uh, Coke is your second leading rebounder. You've got a junior in the mix there at 19 and a half points, almost 20 points a game. And Micah Elon. The, so this team's is it is it ahead of the curve that you expected this year, or Rosenbaum and Coke so important that to be at this level at this point in the season, or to get a big win over Whitman, or to play Wash U tight was almost expected. Uh, I, I think it's more of the latter. I think we're going into the season, we were, we were feeling good about things, but you know, it's a fine line. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mika Alon is playing very well as a junior for us at the point guard position, but this is his third year as a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Rosenbaum and Coke have been, I think Rosenbaum has been a four year starter. Coke may be a three or four year starter. Uh, I think one of the pleasant surprises has been Alex Preston, our sophomore uh, postman. Uh, you know, he he he's come along probably a little bit more than we had anticipated. So that's that's been a nice boost for us. He's getting about 13 points and I don't know six or seven boards a game, and uh, that he, so he he maybe has been a pleasant surprise. But overall. Uh, you know, I don't want to say we went into the Whitman game, you know, thinking that was going to be a, a win for us, but uh, we we were we were feeling good about this group going into the season, and so far they've lived up to that. Well, you have non-division three, as we mentioned, uh, Bethesda University tonight. Uh, then you get back into your not only division three schedule. You'll have UC Santa Cruz before the holiday break. Then after the holiday break, you'll take on Harden Simmons at home. You guys are a popular destination. Around Christmas for some teams, which you gotta love to some degree. It doesn't doesn't waste your budget, um, right. and then you get into conference play. So, what are the expectations now moving forward? You've proven you can obviously play with the top dogs if everything goes right, but you've also shown that things can be a little challenging sometimes as well. Yeah, well, I, I think at this point in the season, you know, it 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 happens kind of quickly. You know, it goes from early season where you're just trying to get better and grow and figure out your personality as a team to you know all of a sudden you're in the mid to the the meat of the season where you've got to be playing very consistently at a high level so I think that's the key right now is just trying to that 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 place where we've gotten where we know we can play very good basketball doing it regularly consistently uh, and then, you know, at this level, you have the challenge of the semester break. So, you you know, the guys take off for, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight days and come back. And as a coach, you you know, there's a lot of anxiety during that time. But they need the break. They get away for a few days. They come back with a bounce in their step. And uh, so we, we hope to finish strong in these next two. Then we'll take a little break. And as you say, get back for 
you know, a long stretch of conference play. I was going to say, you've got, uh, you were picked first in the preseason poll ahead of Occidental Chapman and Claremont Mud Scripps to, just at the top of the group. How important, though, is conference play? You guys know for sure it's, it's win and get in, but now with a win over Whitman, you're kind of setting a little bit of an interesting table here. Should you guys be able to stay focused and stay on top of this conference? Yeah, it, you know, the, the whole national scene is kind of interesting. You know, out here in the West, we're <laughs> we're sort of out here on an island and out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, it, it's it's just interesting how how all the rankings and comparisons and things shake down when you're kind of isolated from a lot of the Division Three scene and there's just not as much opportunity for folks to, to see you and compare you. So we always go into it thinking you win the league, you get postseason play. If you don't, uh, you know, who knows what happens. You can't plan on much. Sure. Uh, the cat's out of the bag. You guys might have a good team. Uh, I think the Whitman game certainly showed us that. And let's let's point out, Washi was not a bad game. Uh, Washi's a good team. They're just not ranked. You guys have right. got a lot going into the holidays here that you can kind of hang your hat on right now. But you also got to make sure you're not resting on the laurels to some degree. That's correct, and I think you know, I, you know, a lot of people are, are fighting that same battle. You have to every day. You got to get a little better. You got to stay hungry. You got to have something to prove, and you know, so much of that relies on the character of your team and and their desire. So you know, I, I think we've got a pretty mature group that understands that uh, you know, next day is the most important one. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy getting ready for your game, so thank you. Um, we wish you luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking about the squad as we get further into Skyac play. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just want to thank you for all you do for D3 Sports with Hoopsville, for all the awareness and information and excitement you create around our sport. It's absolutely great. Well, Coach, I appreciate the kind words. Safe travels, good holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you much, Dave. Coach Kat Cianficas joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. And once again, Coach joining us earlier today as they will play tonight against Bethesda University. Of course, non-Division Three, And then a couple days from now, they'll take on UC Santa Cruz in Division Three action. And then that game on the 29th is the one I'm most intrigued by. They will take on Hardin-Simmons in a game out at their place at the Rain Center. Well, the rest of us are at the D3Hoops.com Classic, but we'll try and keep an eye out for that one. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Pomona Pitzer. I don't know what to put into it stock-wise. Um, as he says, they're out on an island. Well, it's even harder for us because they're out on that island. We get a little bit more of teams heading out west that gives us some comparisons, but without risking going into what we were talking about earlier, a direct comparison opponent-opponent. It is. It gets a little hard, but that's where web streaming has certainly become a lot more popular and a lot nicer to use as well. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, come all the way back to the East Coast, trying not to get jet lagged, and we'll talk to Ron Roan from Muhlenberg Women's Basketball. Once again in the mix in the Centennial Conference, no surprise, we'll talk to him about the success of the Mules. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. All right, so we're switching gears, going from men's basketball to women's basketball, going from the West Coast to the East Coast, going from the Skyac to the Centennial Conference. On the women's side, I see quite a bit of basketball in the Centennial Conference due to my extracurricular work. That helps pay the bills. And one team that you always know is going to be competitive year in and year out is the Muhlenberg Mules. They haven't lost more than six games in conference since we've been keeping track of it on d3hoops.com, at least on our cheap board. They haven't lost less than 16 games. Uh, really, to be honest, they're more of a 20-win team outside of, what, four, three seasons in the last 10, 12, four, 12 or more seasons. Consistent. Consistent. And we talked about on this show... Yeah, they had their heyday with the system, but that was a long time in comparison to what they've been doing since. Ron Roan is at a program that is always at the top of the conference and always competitive. Some, it is considering how much else has been turned over in that conference, it says something. So we figured it's by high time that we got the man on the phone to talk about it. And Ron Roan joins us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Sir, thanks for, as always for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Another undefeated season at this point, 8-0. and You guys are taking a, a little bit of time here before you play Moravian. Our last game was back on the 8th when you beat Swarthmore easily, 55-33. Uh, you've gotten off to a 3-0 start in conference, including a big win over Haverford on the road, 59-50. Is this how you expected the season to start? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, last year we gra we graduated four out of our five starters. You know, three of those players all league uh, players, uh, including an All-American uh, point guard in Brandy Valley. So uh, we figured this would be one of those uh, two steps forward, one step back kind of seasons where we would get better and better as the year went on. Uh, 
but so far we've sort of figured out a way to just, you know, win the game that night. So, uh, you know, I'm very proud of this group and what they've done. Uh, but I really didn't know what to expect. We tried to not go into the season with very many expectations. Well, you kind of hit it, though, there on the head in, in the sense that you guys have been consistent um, even when you lose talent. And you've lost some darn good talent over the years that have played uh, with a Muhlenberg jersey on and sure. still somehow in the next year seemed like not not that the person is was never there. That's certainly not a fair representation, but that you find a way to move on. Is this just another example of that? Yeah, I, I think in some ways it is. You know, we've, we've sort of established a program, so it's more than just having a good team. And uh, we have very unselfish players who are willing to come in and maybe for one or two years as a freshman and a sophomore, uh, sort of pay their dues, work their way up the ladder, play ahead of uh, behind experienced kids, and then they're ready to jump in and take over when the time comes. So we, we don't have the drop-off, I think, many years that people think we might have because we see those players in practice every day for one or two years, and, and they don't. Uh, but, but this year, I mean, you know, Brandy Valley graduated, I think, sixth all-time in Division Three in assists. Mm-hmm. Rachel Plotke shot 47% from the three-point line. Uh, uh, Chelsea Gary was a defensive player of the year in the league. Chris Manning was just about as good a glue player as you could expect. Uh, but, you know, this year's team is, is a different team, much more athletic, uh, can do more things on the floor defensively, uh, though I don't think quite it is quite as good offensively as we've been the past few years. You know, in the past, our team's really been built more around offense and defense. And, uh, you know, as I talked to you tonight, we're ranked number one in scoring defense in mm-hmm. the country. I don't even know how that happened. Well, it's 40.13 points a game versus offensively 61.6. The difference yeah. of 21 and a half points is insane to begin with, but the fact that you're limiting teams so far to 40 points a game is pretty staggering. And again, it's decent teams. I wouldn't say you've yeah. gone through a gauntlet necessarily. Sure. Um, and by the way, you're off to a 5-0 and starting conference. I misspoke earlier. Yeah. But, you know, you held Haverford to 50 points. You held who I think is a pretty good Washington College team to 37. And you held... Yeah, they're, they're not bad. Yeah, no, they're not. It, so you guys are getting it done, certainly, maybe a little sure. differently than we're used to. Yeah, we, we played uh, William Patterson in yep. our Scotty Wood tournament. And, you know, they're always well-coached and, and tough and physical and athletic. And... Uh, you know, I think, I think we just, like I said, we're more athletic than we've been. We're quicker than we've been. We're longer than we've been, uh, which has sort of, uh, you know, led us to our, being a good defensive team. We really thought our defense would sort of spark our offense mm-hmm. and get us out in transition. And that hasn't happened as much as we would like it to happen. But uh, we've just had stretching, stretches in games this year where we've just clamped down on people and not allowed them to score. Uh, and, you know, you know what happens when your team starts getting confidence. They, they sort mm-hmm. of develop a personality, and they start believing they can do it, and that's what's happened to this team. The one thing I would say is, while you may not have broken out and, and transitioned necessarily with that defense, you, and you talk about the confidence, the fact that you don't it, it takes pressure away from the offense. If you miss a shot, it's not the end of the world. If you don't have the best offensive possession, it's not the end of the world because your team – probably has its confidence that they can go down the other end of the court and not and, and take care of business there and not make it a real big deal. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we sort of have a feeling right now that if we can figure out a way to score 55, 60 points, we've got a good chance to win that game. Uh, and, you know, our defense has been good as far as stopping people. It's not, we don't have the kind of team that's just holding the ball 
for 30 seconds every possession, and that's why our, our defensive numbers are good. Uh, we tend to, to press, play full court, run in transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just defended well. I mean, there's no other way to get around it is we've turned people over and we've uh, held people down to poor shooting percentage. I think our three-point shooting percentage defense is something like a ridiculous 17% a game because uh, people aren't getting many open looks. So, like I said, I'm proud of this team. But, again, this is a group of kids that have played defense against those seniors we mm-hmm. talked about. They defended them every day for two or three years. Mm-hmm. So they've, they play some pretty good offensive players uh, in practice every day for a few years, and I think that's really helped them going into the season. 18.4 points to be exact. It's a staggering number. You've only allowed 27 made threes the entire season in eight games so far. Um, says a lot. And, and just jokingly, because yeah. you and I go way back, this is a yeah. far cry from the system days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in a lot of ways. You know, one of the funny things is we came into the year uh, really working on uh, running the old system kind of press. Okay. And uh, we have done that a lot, uh, but we we haven't given up a lot of layups off of it, you know, which which anybody who runs the system would say, then you're not running the, no. the, the Grinnell press if you're not giving <laughs> up layups, uh, you know. But, uh, but we've you know, we've done it well enough to sort of throw teams off uh, we played some one three one. We played some two three. We played some man to man. We've had some full court pressure. Uh, we we've sort of been trying to find what we're good at, and I think in some ways with us experimenting to find out what we're good at, we confused a lot of other teams. To be honest with well, you. To be honest, I'd say keep it going. If your team is good enough to play all of those systems and it's working to the tune of forty points a game, I'd stick with it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got now. You know, we're in exams right now. Sure. We got Moravian on Saturday. We got the sales on Tuesday. Right. I mean, those those teams can put points on the board. Uh, so yes. I don't know that the average is going to hold up uh, that long, but hopefully we can hold them <laughs> below sixty. We'll get those opponents in a moment. I want to go back to the to the team. Yeah. Six seniors. You talked about what you lost last year, and you talk yeah. about players. You know, kind of. You know, taking a step back, you've got another six seniors who are on the docket this year, but you've got a deep team. There's a whole mess of juniors, a whole mess yeah. of sophomores and freshmen. But again, it's that turnover. It's that churn that you guys now have. And I get the feeling that the class, when they become juniors and seniors, start to relish the opportunity to step out in front. There's no doubt about it. They sort of feel, hey, this is my turn. I paid my dues. And uh, again, as you mentioned, we have a, a tradition of winning over the past 10, 15 years. And I think every class, when they become juniors and seniors, they don't want to be the class that breaks that tradition. They don't want to be the team that doesn't win. Uh, so they're ready to step forward. And, and by the time they move up to be juniors and seniors, as many of the kids who are playing minutes for us now do, uh, they, they, they know what it's like to sacrifice for the team because they haven't gone to that high school star to that college star immediately. So everybody fits into the team concept pretty well. Kind of hit it where I was going next is, you know, it, it, these players come out of high school, to some degree they're stars. Yeah, maybe not yeah. against some D1 players, but there's still a lot of good Division three players who are stars in sure. their high schools. How do you... Hey, if, they, if they weren't good, we wouldn't recruit them, right? That's true. So how do you get them to understand you're no longer the star, I need you to understand you're going to sit the bench or you're going to have limited minutes or you're going to have to practice against the, the top squad. And when does that conversation first start? 
Well, uh, truthfully, I think a lot of that is taken care of uh, during the recruiting process, at least at Muhlenberg, uh, where we're telling kids, hey, we're going to play the best players. We're going to play the players who give us the best chance to win. But it is easier for someone who's been in your system two years to make that contribution to somebody who's brand new and hasn't run our offenses or defenses before. Uh, and explaining the players, there's no promise of playing time. There's no promise of role until you've earned that. And I think sometimes there might be some players we scare away in the recruiting process because we're not willing to promise them any the moon uh, as a high school player. Uh, and so I think we get the kids who are more team-oriented, who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And if they just want to put up big numbers and play major minutes immediately, maybe they pick another school instead of Muhlenberg to start with. Sure. Another scary thing about your team is there's nobody in double figures points-wise. Uh, yeah, your your I mean, leading scorer is Carly Hamilton at 8.8, Ron. Yeah, believe me, I know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's that double-edged sword in a close game. Who do you call a play for? <laughs> uh, but if you're, if you're the opponent, who's he going to call right, a play for? Right, right. You, you know, uh, we, we basically uh, have a philosophy this year. You know, in the past, We'd set up an ISO for Brandy Valley to go to the basket or a three-point shot for Rachel Plotky. We all knew what we were going to do. But this year, it's, hey, whoever's open, that's the kid with the best shot. Uh, Plus, you you know, you reference the system. We've been playing uh, anywhere from 12 to 13 deep, uh, even when the game is close and on the line, uh, because we are expending so much energy on defense, even if it's more of the half-court variety. Uh, So, you know, there isn't anybody out there to – all the time to get 30, 35 minutes right. and put up big numbers. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, you know, I think that's the that's the answer to that question sure. uh, at this point. Plus, we've it's sort of who's the hot hand that night, you know. Uh, we've had several people, you know, Carly's going for 16 one tight, and Nye Thomas goes for 13, 14 another night. Uh, you know, different people at different times, I guess. And uh, it, it's a team with a great team atmosphere. The chemistry on this team is really, really good uh, because I don't think there's anybody doing anything who has a big ego. Hmm. And uh, that, that makes it easier for everybody to share the, the pie, so to speak. Sure. Talking about the teams ahead of you, uh, you have uh, uh, Moravian and then DeSales, and you're looking at Moravian's schedule when they have lost, which is twice. They've lost badly. Yep. Ninety-nine fifty-eight to aforementioned to sales and eighty to fifty-six to TCNJ. But otherwise, they have games where they put up ninety-three points. There's games they put up fifty points. They're all over the place. And to sales yeah. start off like a rocket this season um, yeah. with some huge wins, including that Moravian game we talked about. A close loss to Scranton, uh, a yep. surprising loss to Sage. But then they just held Kings to forty-three and put a four, an eighty-four spot on them. Yeah. Yeah, these are two tough teams, and you mentioned you're in the middle of finals. How do you keep everybody focused without them being losing focus of academics or being overwhelmed? Yeah, I mean, a simple answer is you don't. <laughs> you know, uh, I've got like one-third of my team is pre-med. Other kids are double majors. They're, <laughs> we, we, you know, they're focused on the academics. We try to get them out there to play some basketball for an hour and 15 minutes after exams just to stay in shape. But you can look in their eyes, and they're in another place, yeah. you know, which, which you understand because that's where they're supposed to be. Uh, so you really don't. You just sort of try to use basketball maybe as a little bit of a mental break for all they're going through with exams, and then uh, hopefully keep their bodies somewhat in shape. 
and then, uh, you know, we do our best when we get to this weekend. Uh, the other thing about those two opponents, and Moravian and DeSales are really good. I've watched both of them. I mean, DeSales is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, is there two, they're both local rivals, too. They're both 10 minutes from our campus. Right. So the, the intensity of that rivalry and schools wanting to beat each other, it doesn't matter. It's one of those rivalry games where it doesn't matter the records. You know that everybody's going to scratch each other's eyes out <laughs> regardless. So, uh, but, you know, it's that part of the year, that's part of what we do. And uh, one of the things I've learned, though, from these games after exams uh, is you don't put too much stock in whether you play well or not because it's not a good barometer of where your team's at. So try not to overreact by what does happen. Yeah, that makes some sense. Uh, after that, you'll take a, a sub- somewhat – uh, what a two and a half week break or yeah. so, um, and then you go right into the gauntlet of the conference. If it hadn't been hard enough, you'll you'll travel to yeah. Gettysburg. Uh, you'll then travel to McDaniel, and and that's a tongue in cheek comment about that being a gauntlet because one, McDaniel's a little different this year, but two, sure. you haven't had the best of luck going to McDaniel when it comes to buses. Um, <laughs> that's true. It, they folks, they have broken down at I think three times trying to go or well, come from them in the last yeah. four or five years. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had things where for some reason that's happened to us. But one year it took us three different buses to get there and home. <laughs> yeah, do you remember? You know, that. I I don't know what we're gonna do. Take a different route, different bus company. Oh, uh, we, we 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 might go back to the old AU days. Just carpool that one. <laughs> I think you did get carpooled from a bus back to McDaniel we, on one of those occasions. You, you, you know, we did. You know, my my my, my hat off. We were, we we're about a. 10 minutes out of McDaniel coming home <laughs> on one of those January days where yep. it was 10 below zero. Yep. And, uh, the, we, you know, we broke down the side of the road and uh, we called back to McDaniel. And uh, <laughs> God bless the McDaniel people. They put together like about seven different people in cars and vans to come get yeah. us and let us sit out in their warm gym until a bus came. If I had been uh, 10, 15 minutes later leaving that place, I probably would have been one of them. <laughs> You, you, uh, you probably drove by us, laughed, and waved. Sorry, what you really would have done. <laughs> no, admittedly, I was out ahead of you. I was admittedly out ahead oh, okay. of you, but I would have stopped and at least laughed. <laughs> yeah, but that, you know, but that doesn't. And let's face it, over the years, we've had some great, great rivalry games with McDaniel. Yeah. So that, that that's never an easy place to play. No. And, and that's that's the way the Centennial Conference is overall. Yeah. Uh, there's very few games you can count on, regardless of who the favorite is. Uh, because you're playing so many league games, it, it, it does wear you down a bit over the course of uh, three months. Well, and that first trio will start with an at-home game, at least, against Hopkins. But then again, you're tied with yeah. Gettysburg atop the conference. Hopkins yeah. is a game back. Haverford and their sinus, shockingly enough, are a game and a half back. Um, yeah. This, this, this was expected to be a battle. It's proving it's going to be a battle. Gettysburg's going to be coming back from Vegas, where they will have had some good tests. Do, right. do you get concerned when you don't take a trip around the holidays that, that other teams are going to come in a little fresher for a game like Gettysburg? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a coach, man. I get paid to worry and concern about everything. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, what yeah. do the kids eat for dinner, you know, Thursday? Uh, you worry about. <laughs> but, the uh, yeah, I mean, since I've been you know, I came to Muhlenberg in 2001 from Division One. Right. I was rarely home for Thanksgiving. I was rarely home for Christmas because you always played and traveled at that time of year. So uh, since I came to Muhlenberg, we really have not done anything during the, either of the holidays so our kids get a break. Uh, 
I, I think it hurts us a little bit in that first week or two back in January. But I think the benefits of the kids getting some good quality family time at home and a little bit of mental refresh, I think it helps us when we get to February because they're not as worn down. And I think that showed in our postseason success. Well, fair point. That is true. You guys have certainly been successful and obviously aiming for another postseason this year, but it'll be a battle in the Centennial Conference yet again. Sir, I appreciate the time. As always, great uh, understanding of what your team is this year. And furthermore, thanks for the laugh. I just do get a chuckle out of that bus story. (laughs) Um, as, As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, Dave, I know, I know you understand, but I'll say this to everybody else out there. You know, uh, this holiday season, you know, my best to everybody, but a special uh, uh, wish for the best to uh, one of our coaching colleagues, Becky Martin at McDaniel, who's uh, battling some, some health issues and everything at this point. And, Coach, if you're listening, we know you're way too love, tough to let anything get the best of you. So know that we're all with you and behind you. Good luck. You said that well, sir. Very well put. Very well said. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you, sir. Uh, Enjoy it, and I'll look forward to seeing you uh, in early January. Well, I'll tell you what, if if our bus breaks down along the way, I got your cell number now. Yes, you do. Give me a ring. (laughs) I'll I'll do my best. All right, right, Dave. Have a good night. Take care. Ron Rowan joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline out of Muhlenberg. By the way, uh, 436 career victories on his docket. 356 of them coming at Muhlenberg in his 18th career season there. Uh, nice note he said there about Becky Martin. We talked about Becky way at the beginning of the season. I got, I've got, i had the opportunity to see her, at, I think, at every single McDaniel home game so far. It has been wonderful to see her. I hope we get to see her uh, when, the, when Muhlenberg comes to McDaniel, which reminds me, I don't even remember if I'm even going to be at that game. Now I think about it. Every once in a while there's some crossover which precludes me from being able to get to a game that I'd really like to be at, if that makes any sense. Um, I will be at that. How about that? Awesome. So I'll look forward to seeing those guys when they come to town. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll still talk women's basketball, but we'll switch gears to one of the top teams in the country and talk to one of their players. Madison Temple from Thomas Moore joins us. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained Character is what you are. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this Thursday night show. If you got questions for us, you know the routine, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, Adam says, let's talk about the great Marietta men are playing. <laughs> uh, and then he said, he replied, I said, we had him on the last show. Where were you? <laughs> Uh, Adam, they are playing very well. We'll talk a little bit about them in a bit. Jay Cozen says, I'm not sure that my eyes can unsee what I just watched. Dickinson has 12 points at the half and trail Lancaster Bible 22-12. Men or women, Jay, either way, that's got to be tough. (laughs) I'll freely admit, not the easiest way to do things. Um, You talked to Thomas Moore yet, Dave? No, Andrew, guess what? We're going to talk about him now. Thomas Moore women's basketball having an interesting year. Their final year in Division Three. They're not in a conference. Technically, they're in the AMCC conference, but they're not in the old pack. Uh, but they're off to an 11-0 start because of that lack of conference. They have a ton of games being squeezed in as tightly as possible. Let's give you a sense of what they did. They started the season back in November at Wheaton, and then five days later were at home for a couple of games, or at home for one game against non-Division Three Midway. Then they traveled to center to play Covenant and Meredith. That was all in the first six days of the season. Then fast forward to the 24th and the 25th, where they were at home uh, against Maryville and LaRoche. And then they traveled to Whitewater on the 1st of December, at Chicago the 3rd of December, at Marietta the 5th of December, then flew out to the West Coast, played Whitworth on the 7th, Whitman on the 8th. Believe it or not, we haven't talked about a loss yet. Now they're traveling to Holland, Michigan to go to Hope, where they'll play Baldwin-Wallace tomorrow, and then either Hope or Finlandia, we're probably figuring Hope, on Saturday. Then they come home. Nope, I'm wrong. They go to Miami, Florida. They'll play Wesleyan and then Cal Lutheran. Then take a Christmas break. Head to Indiana where they'll play Franklin at the DePaul Invitational. Then one more game before they finally return home and play center on the 30th. That's 28th, 29th, and 30th. And then they got games on the 2nd and 3rd, 5th, and 7th of January before they finally can take a deep breath. I'm pretty sure I just scared our guest on the Hoopsville Hotline, because I wanted to get a point of view on all of this. 
Joining us to talk about it is probably one of the best players in Division Three women's basketball this season. Madison Temple, the senior guard, joins us. And Madison, I really hope I didn't just scare the living daylights out of you with that schedule. Oh, no, of course not. We've been prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what I just said is no surprise to you guys. Yeah. I got, I got to know, when Coach presented the schedule to you, and I don't know when you would have seen it, I'm curious what your first reaction was. Uh, wow. <laughs> all the all the traveling uh, was very different, but we're excited for it. We were, we're excited to play against some of the top teams in the nation. Um, it's different. It's nothing we've done before. Yeah. So we were already – we're just been trying to get ready for it. To some degree – it is an interesting advantage for you because you do go out and get to play some of the best teams in Division Three, at least some pretty competitive teams, because you don't have a conference schedule weighing you down and taking three-quarters of your season away. So you can go play a Wheaton, and you can play uh, a Whitewater, Chicago, Marietta, Whitman, and Whitworth. You can play Hope and Baldwin-Wallace and all these other squads. So it's to some degree that that has to be a little bit fun. Right, it is, and it definitely helps our strength of schedule and helps us just prepare a lot more um, before we even get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, the strength of schedule numbers certainly should be interesting, though the backside of the season is, is full of some non-Division threes, but no, no no big deal there. But, yeah, you've got a lot of good teams at the beginning of it. That said, the travel, you, you've squeezed a lot of games in already. you still got some more games to squeeze in in the next couple of weeks just on the travel alone we'll get to all the extra peripherals with it but the travel alone how have you been able to as a team and as an individual almost pace yourself um i mean it's tough it's it's nice that we're traveling these places and we're getting usually like two games out of it it's not right. like we're traveling a far distance just to play one game um definitely traveling up the day of has is the toughest part of it so when we played like marietta last week just sitting in a van all day and then hmm. playing them that night was tough um especially during that stretch you know the five games in eight days yeah. in three different time zones um <laughs> true that was, yeah that was that's tough but we've just we've been working hard in practice um as much as we can and everyone is staying focused pretty well i mean it's hard it being around exam time and we just finished our exams this week but um We've just been staying focused because we know every game is a big game for us. I'll get to the exams in a moment. When you went to the West Coast, did you guys stay on the East Coast time? Um, what do you mean? In other words, did you tr did you allow yourself to slide into the what the time set it was on the West Coast, or did you try and keep your clocks at what you were comfortable with back home? We tried to get adjusted to the times out there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of different pen points of view on what works, so that's why I was kind of yeah. curious. Um, again, you're on your way. We should be pointing out. We're talking to you on the bus as you're driving to Holland, Michigan here and to take mm -hmm. on Baldwin-Wallace tomorrow. And again, as you said, two games in two days. Hope or Finlandia following that. Then four days later, you'll fly to Miami. And by the way, I feel horrible that you're going to Miami <laughs> uh, to take on Wesley and Cal Lutheran before the Christmas holidays. You've at least got a chance to see a lot of different parts of the country. Um, yeah. Are you, are you at least accumulating some frequent flyer miles, maybe some points at <laughs> hotels? Is something at least working out in your benefit here? I hope so. We're getting, <laughs> I mean, we're experiencing lots of different weather. We just came yeah. back from Washington. Now we're going to be in Michigan, and then we go to the sunny side <laughs> in Miami. So It's true. And from literally one corner of the United States to the other right. uh, with a few stops in between. What were the expectations, though, going into this? Did you... 
did you want to keep sure you held the, the expectation of undefeated or no losses or whatever you want to call it? Or did you expect that, you know what, this is a grueling gauntlet. We may take our lumps, like one or two here, but we got to keep going? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, we went into this knowing how tough our schedule is and it's it not being something that we've done before. Um, I think everyone understands that, you know, sometimes there might be a slip up or something may happen, but you just got to work through it. And, but we still kept that same mindset that, you know, our goal is to win every game. And um, we've been working in practice just to make sure that we don't have the slip ups so that we don't have to worry about that. Talking to Madison Temple here, the senior guard for the Saints of Thomas More. She averages 24 points a game to lead her team. Um, you are the all-everything on this squad to some degree. Everyone's got their eye on you defensively, and everyone's got their eye on you offensively as well. How how hard is it to know you're going to take the best that the other team's going to throw at you at, at any given time to add into what has been a difficult schedule? Um, I mean, it's it's tough losing some of the people that we lost last year, yeah. and um, but we've had a lot of players step up this year younger players and even some of our older players and so I don't really go out there and and worry too much about how they're going to play me defensively or anything because um, even if I can't score or can't get to the basket maybe as easily as I'm used to I know that my other teammates are going to be able to knock down shots and I can still um, produce on the defensive end or you know get get some assists and get some people some baskets set them up on offense if I can't score so Shooting 65% from the floor, by the way, is is a little ridiculous. Um, 50% from beyond the arc, though, you're going to take a lot of shots out there. 87% from the free throw line while averaging 6.5 rebounds a game. This is for everybody else. You know this. 5.5, almost 6 rebound assists a game, I should add, plus 4 steals a game. Is there anything, Madison, you don't do during a game? Um, try not to. Try to do it okay. all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, fair. At least, at least that's your goal. I get it. Um, yeah. So curious, though. With that said, twenty-four points a game, six, eight, almost seven rebounds a game, six assists a game, four steals a game. What do you think is the biggest weakness in your game? Um, I would say uh, turnovers sometimes. Okay. Depending. Depending kind of who we're playing and how, how fast-paced the game is, um, I like to push the ball as much as I can. And me starting as point guard this year, just mm -hmm. a different role. Um, sometimes I, you know, throw too many long passes or something that might get, like, picked off. So I try to take care of the ball. I've been trying lately to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, another one would just be offensive rebounding, I think, because sometimes I like to stay back and be a safety <laughs> instead of crashing the boards. Okay. So, well, we shouldn't point out that she leads the team in turnovers at 2.3, but it's okay, Madison. It's totally fine. All right, so let's go back to the educational component of this. Uh, you talked about around exams. Exams are now done. Yet, but if I understand what your schedule was in terms of exams, you were traveling and also playing games during that period of time, um, yeah. most of it occurring during that run be when you played between the 1st and the 8th, Whitewater, mm -hmm. Chicago, Marietta, Whitworth, Whitman. How did you guys deal with having to prepare for exams for starters, but then also try and deal with exam schedules while you were going to be on the road? Yeah, well, this past week um, has been our exam week. Okay. So we missed, um, it was, I mean, the week before exams, which is a lot of just reviews or right. um, just the last minute, you know, projects, things like that. So, I mean, everyone definitely brought their homework with them when we went to Wisconsin and Chicago and Marietta and 
Um, everyone tried to stay on top of things as much as they could. We didn't really miss much class for that, which okay. was nice. Um, so yeah, so everyone this this whole week has been you know we haven't we didn't have a game since last right. Saturday, so that's been nice um, <laughs> so that we can focus on exams a little bit. A little different for you guys. Uh, how much has the school and or your professors been supportive of all this? Oh, they're extremely supportive. We get emails like as soon as we get back from tournaments and stuff. Um, emails from teachers. Some of them I'm not. I haven't even had as a teacher. Hmm. Um, will email us just to congratulate us. They they'll send an email out to the whole team, and um, we have some teachers that will write us little letters or um, just send their congratulations to us. All right. So to to look ahead. By the time you're done with your game at Mary Harden Baylor, by the way, we should mention they're going to be in Texas as well later this season, fifth and seventh against Texas, Dallas, and Mary Harden Baylor, who are turning into two very good teams themselves. Mm-hmm. After that, you will have a total of probably five games left on your schedule. Yeah. You will have about three weeks before you play Geneva and St. Vincent, and then you're going to have a couple of weeks before you play Miami Hamilton. Uh, and then you're going to have a few weeks before you play in the ACAA tournament. How are you, you may not be thinking about it, and I can appreciate that, but how are you mentally preparing for what will be the polar opposite of what you're doing now and considering heading into what will probably be an NCAA tournament you know, visit, mm-hmm. not playing a lot of basketball? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought that much into it just because we're focusing right now on the, sure. the big games that are um, until we get that deep breath that you were talking about. Yeah. But um, it is it's tough. I mean, we had my freshman year when we won the uh, semifinal game, mm-hmm. we had to wait three weeks till we played that championship game. And that right. was probably just the toughest thing was just waiting because we were also like ready to get there but at the same time it was just such a long break that we weren't used to playing and getting up and down the floor as much as we had hoped so um it definitely affected i think how we played in our championship game but um you know it's it's just a big mental thing and we just gotta make sure that we're still pushing each other in practice like we did this whole part of the season that was just the grueling part um everyone's just gotta stay focused i think until we get to that ncaa tournament it's almost gonna be like preseason all over again, uh, where it's right. you, all you see is your is your uh, teammates and your teammates and uh, some right. more of your teammates. <laughs> I'm sure you'll always be sick of your teammates by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Madison, I appreciate the time to talk, coming on and talking about what you guys have been facing and what you will face ahead. Um, yeah, you know, it's circumstances may be interesting. They got you guys in this spot, but you guys are certainly holding your heads high and, and playing incredibly great basketball. In the meantime, yeah. uh, congratulations so far. Congratulations on getting through finals week, especially. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time. We have a tradition on this show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, nope. Everyone can tune in tomorrow when we play Baldwin Wallace and Hope. Yeah, very good. I actually have a Hope fan who wanted to make sure to say good luck to you guys. And he was being serious. Oh, He's wishing you luck. Um, good, good. And uh, well, I'm going to be tuning in. I can tell you that much. Good luck. And uh, again, get maybe we should have gotten you some special passport so you could have gotten different stamps to every place you guys had visited this year. That's just right. nuts. Hey, Madison, <laughs> thanks for the time. Take care of yourself. Uh, happy holidays. No we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Absolutely. Madison Temple joining us, senior guard from Thomas Moore. Again, leads the team in scoring. Uh, was she leading the team in rebounds? I forgot to check that one. Uh, she is leading the team in rebounds, leading the team in assists, leading the team in turnovers, leading the team in steals. She's leading the team in every single category. It's it's pretty darn impressive. 
They are again on the road. They will go, are on their way to Holland, Michigan. They'll play Baldwin Wallace on Friday. Play the winner of the Hope Finlandia game or loser, whichever the case may be. They play Hope or Finlandia Saturday. Then four days later, they're in Miami, Florida, to play Wesleyan. Followed the next day by Cal Lutheran. Then eight days later, after Christmas, they'll be at DePaul, take on Franklin, and then somebody else the next day. And then the following day against Center. Three days later against Pikesville, and the next day against Lindsey Wilson. Two days later in Texas against Texas Dallas, Marion and Baylor. That wraps things up on January 7th, where they'll get their first extended break of the year. Absolutely crazy, and appreciate her taking the time to talk about it. I'm winded thinking about it. We'll take another break. When we come back, answer a couple of your quick questions before we take another break. Coming up still, University of Wisconsin Oshkosh head coach. Matt um, Lewis will join us. The interim head coach will join us to talk about things. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Quick segment here before we take another break and get Oshkosh on the show. Andrew was asking us to talk about Platteville again. Platteville's good. They're 5-3. and three. Um, I don't think that 5-3 and three is telling us the whole story, though I'm certainly a little perplexed at that 5-3. and three. Uh, They just lost yet again, this time to Wheaton. Now, Wheaton's good. Wheaton's got some weird losses in there, too. Uh, but Platteville lost by 22, 99-77. Platteville takes on hope this weekend in men's basketball. It'll be fascinating to see how that works out. Uh, that game is at Hope, somehow muscled around the Hope tournament. Um, Hope is hosting a bunch of games this weekend is what that all means. Because um, Hope is playing Friday, Saturday in women's basketball. So uh, Hope men's game against Platteville. It's worth tuning into, to be sure. By the way, scores from around the country, checking them out. Number 20, Loris is in action tonight against Buena Vista. That game has not started uh, MIT in the number eighteen in the com- eight team in the country in men's basketball is taking on Bridgewater State tonight, and late in the game they've got an easy lead by 25, 75, 79, 54. 
uh, trying to see if there's any other games jumping out at me. The uh, Dickinson game, I think that we were talking about, where Dickinson only scored uh, 12 points in the first half. Well, it's the second half. They've exploded for 24 and now have the lead on Lancaster Bible, 36-31. So somebody uh, at Dickinson finally woke up. Uh, in women's basketball, St. Joseph's of Maine got past Maine Farmington easily, 92-48. Uh, East Texas Baptist is apparently playing Laterno tonight, but we've got a TBA in for game time. I'm not exactly sure. We'll double-check when that game may be taking place. Denison and Heidelberg are currently playing late in that contest. Um, Austin beat Harden-Simmons in women's basketball. Austin continues to play really good basketball down there in Texas, along with Mary Harden-Baylor and uh, Texas-Dallas. And don't forget, there's Trinity-Texas, too, down in Texas. There's a really fascinating scenario building on the women's side down in Texas, especially in the South region this year. I think the South region is going to be a little deeper than we're used to because, again, you you loop in the ODAC and you've got um, what should be a really good Emory and Henry squad continuing. Randolph-Macon, you figure, will continue to be good. Um, that, that South region is going to be fascinating when it comes time for regional rankings and the like this year. Um, do I think Bowden will lose? No. Well, they're not playing this week. Do I think they're going to lose at some point this season? Yes. Um, they got to take on Amherst. Amherst might be ticked now. That game's at Bowden, so Bowden might get the advantage there. But yeah, I think I, I don't think I don't think we have an undefeated women's team. Well, Thomas Moore might be undefeated. Oh, that one's tough. I don't see Hope getting through the season without taking a blemish. St. Thomas, I would I would figure will take a loss in conference. By the way, I heard a fascinating point of reference in regarding the Mayak. I've always thought I couldn't understand why the men on the Mayak side wouldn't go to what the women are doing, which is I call the ODAC model, which is this um, offset scheduling where you play double games, double round robins against maybe half the conference, and the other half of the conference you play single games against, and it rotates except for your rivals. And the men's side, they won't do it. They've got, what, about five games in conference at, or out of conference they can play. Women's side went to it, which allows them more games out of conference. Well, guess what happens next year? Probably not what you're expecting. Women will go back to the double round robin, which will leave them, I think, two or three non-conference games in the MIAC. Here's why that is a major problem, in my opinion. The Mayak, especially in women's basketball, has gotten better and better and better in the last few years. They've gotten some extra teams into the tournament as a result of that, and rightly so. This will kill that. The double round robin will kill that because the SOS numbers will not be good enough to get extra bids in, especially if you take losses in conference. The Mayak is going in the wrong direction with their scheduling, and I don't know why. I can suspect, but I don't know why. The men need to go an offset. The women need to stay with their offset. The fact that they're not is mind-blowing. But again, back to the point, I think Thomas Moore, I I, I, Thomas, I suspect will take a loss. Thomas Moore, I think, is going to take a loss just because it's a grind at some point. And granted, I thought the loss would come against Whitman or Whitworth, primarily Whitman, because of the travel out there to play. And then I could see him getting tripped up on the way back. Now, they could lose this weekend. They could lose in DePaul. Uh, they could lose in Texas. Texas is turning into a beast of a weekend because of how good Mary Harden Baylor and Texas Dallas are. Maybe Thomas Moore doesn't lose, but I have a feeling there's going to, I don't think anybody's undefeated going into the NCAA tournament on the women's side. Uh, is Trine good? Yes, Trine is very good. They may have had a coaching change, but they're good. They're, ver they're darn good. Uh, back to the Marietta men's basketball. They're good. They're very good. Um, well, 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of very good teams out there these days, and um, we've just talked about a bunch of them. Uh, on that note, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about one of those very good teams, the Oshkosh men's basketball team, who, despite finishing runner-up, still had a coaching change in the offseason, and they're still playing well. We'll figure out what it all means in the grand scheme of things. You are listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprinson. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. There was something else I was going to bring up in conversation that I forgot that hopefully we'll get to the end of the show. A reminder, if you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. Um, we'll keep an eye on some scores, but really nothing jumping out at us uh, right now as to being earth-shaking. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time as well, and we're figuring out what we're going to do with the final week of the season. If we'll have a show, it'll be on the 20th. We may do a midday one just to kind of go with the flow and get out of Dodge, as it were. Not that we're leaving anywhere, but uh, just, you know, take advantage of the opportunity of some of you may be on the road as well. All right, so let's talk about our next guest, and this has to do with a program that not only finished national runner-up last season, uh, with an impressive 25-8 and eight record. Uh, but they also ended up changing coaches in the offseason due to their head coach taking the Wash U job. Went with an interim head coach and are playing pretty good basketball and, again, are one of those foes that Wheaton has somehow knocked off. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the interim head coach of the sixth-ranked Titans of Oshkosh. It is Matt Lewis. Coach, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Absolutely. Um, appreciate you taking the time. I will say this, should uh, assuming that you keep this job and the interim tag is removed, <laughs> this WIAC conference is getting younger and younger in the coaching ranks, is it not? It is. Um, <laughs> it's... <laughs> These positions don't turn over uh, very often. No. And I think we're getting to that time where some of them are turning over. Yes, I would agree. Uh, certainly that's what it seems like. Um, back to the, the point at hand. This team goes all the way to the national championship game last year. Uh, loses in a good game. Uh, it was it was a thriller. Uh, we saw everybody coming back. We saw, well, amongst everybody else, Nebraska brought everyone back. Whitman brought everybody back. You guys brought everybody back. Springfield. You, we can go through the list of teams that pretty much brought everybody back. The only difference was you guys brought back not Pat Yuckum as he moved on to Wash U. I'm kind of curious how that all kind of played out from your vantage point and whether you were surprised or not. Sure. Um, I, I had an inkling when that thing opened that, that it might be a job. Um, that he would be involved in, um, and he kept me in the loop as we kind of went through the process. Um, but he, you know, Pat was heavily invested here. You know, he was not ever looking for another job or another opportunity. Um, and so when they contacted him, and, and you know, he was involved in it. Uh, he did a good job of just kind of keeping me in the loop. Um, but we just operated like this was going to go forward the way it had been going for six years. Um, so when eventually, when he decided to go that route. Um, there was a little, you know, kind of one week or two week overlap there where we were trying to decide what we could do here at Oshkosh. Um, but it was, Pat was great. He handled it the right way and, and kept us, um, kept me in the loop. And so it made it an easier transition for me. You kind of figured you'd get the interim job. It seemed maybe a little too late to open up a full fledged search at a state school. Um, it, it is a process, no doubt. Uh, so if they had opened it up this spring, um, I mean, you're talking a two-and-a-half, three-month process in the state system, the, the different hoops that you have to jump through. And um, Our athletic director, Daryl Sims, is, is great, um, and he decided that the best thing for our program, given how many guys we had coming back and, and the quality of those guys, that the best thing was to, to give me a shot at it. Um, and it did allow us to, to jump right into that offseason. Um, you know, there wasn't any hesitancy in, in terms of our guys, you know, what we're going to do, how we're going to handle ourselves. So it really allowed us to have a nice continuity uh, going into that offseason. So the team's out to a pretty good start. Granted, the second game of the season, you ran into this team called Wheaton, who apparently has not gotten the memo this season. When they play top 25 teams, they like to knock them off. Um, and they beat you guys in a thriller, 86-74. I'll even admit I kind of looked at that game and went, okay, maybe Oshkosh isn't who I thought they were. I know it was two games in. Um but I also thought maybe I didn't know who Wheaton was, let's be honest. Since then, you've won six straight, and you've won them in pretty dominating fashion over Edgewood, North Park, Elmhurst, Finlandia, Alma, and even Calvin. Um, what's Is it hard to shake off a tough loss, and how did you guys do it? Yeah, it happens so early. Um, obviously, every game in Division Three matters. You, know, you need to rack up as many wins as you can, but... Now, that happened on the, the second day of our uh, schedule. And so we're, we talked immediately in the locker room. That game isn't going to define what our season is this year. Um, if we play the type of basketball that, that we think we can play going forward, we're not even going to remember that game uh, at Wheaton. And, and they played a great game, and, and Francis had a, a tremendous night. Um, but the last you know few weeks for us, it's just been recommitting to the defensive end and we don't think we were aware we were needed to be that first weekend in terms of, of defending. 
Um, and our, our guys have done a great job of buying in on that end. Um, I think it's you know shown in the results of some of our games. You've got three seniors on this squad, which is probably the scary part because you've got so many players underneath those seniors in terms of class underclassmen um, who will be contributing to this program for years to come. But, of course, two of those three are Ben Boots and, and Brett Wichgow, who are two of the four guys in double figures. But currently you're led by two junior, juniors in Jack Flynn and Adam Favorite. Can you give me a sense of the dichotomy of this team, of what, you know, the senior leadership, obviously, and guys like Boots and Wichgow, and, and not to, you know, certainly dismiss Van Dyke, but also the the underclassmen uh, role with this program. Yeah, sure. To start with, you know, just our seniors, Ben, Brett, Alex, um, those guys have done a tremendous job for, you know, seemingly years now. It feels like we have boots on a veteran uh, contract, and hopefully we can sign them to one. Um, but ben and, ben and Brett in particular have done a, a phenomenal job of leading our program the last few years, and we had some guys uh, prior to them that, that really helped us flip the culture and get it going the right direction. And, and Ben and Brett, uh, assisted by Ox, have really taken it to another level. Um, and so we are, we're going to miss those guys, no doubt. Um, but the nice thing is, is we've, we've got a, a number of young guys that are learning from Ben and Brett um, on a daily basis. This is how we conduct ourselves. And, and you mentioned, you know, Jack and Adam, and, and those two are, are pretty special, but We've got a variety of, of underclassmen that um, some haven't even gotten the chance to play yet, and those guys just continue to develop. And um, we've got a, a culture now where it's you know it's not about the individual. You know we're just trying to get guys to buy in each and every day, and and hopefully that they do. And if their time comes, um, you know they don't know when their time comes, but when it does, hopefully the younger guys are ready to go. Um, but those those upperclassmen have done a great job of, of leading us so far. Is there pressure to return to what you guys did last year? Is there pressure that, you know, it's, it's Final Four or bust to some degree? Um, I, sure. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't lie to you. There, there's you know, outside voices that, that talk about, you know, you're, oh, we're going back to the national championship, or, you know, you run into people, and, oh, you guys, you have so much back, you're going to the Final Four. Um, so there are people that try and talk to you about that. Uh, but we talked to our guys about, you know, climbing the mountain and getting to the top. You know, everybody wants to be at the top, but all the joy and the happiness is is climbing up there. Uh, so we're not trying to worry about March. You know, if we're fortunate and we get to play in March, that's great, and we'll see what happens. But we've got to enjoy each and every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're in the middle of finals week, and, you know, we just challenged our guys each day that we practice, just bring it. Let's enjoy today and get better. And tomorrow we have a chance to play. Well, let's go bring it. Um, let's let's enjoy tomorrow. But we try not to get caught up in this. You know, we have to go to the Final Four or have to go to the national championship because if that doesn't happen, the season's not a loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we can still enjoy and have a lot of success this year, even if that doesn't happen. When you look at the what you guys you just talked about the exam period and kind of the theme we've been talking about tonight is is the focus on that the focus on the fact that this is academic, so these guys aren't back on the squad next semester, to be blunt. Um, how do you guys balance that with the expectations of what they need to do academically? Granted, you haven't played since the 8th, so clearly t- taking the time to let them focus. Yep. For us, it's the academic piece is, is first, um, and that's going to be true for a majority of the people at our level. Um, you know, We just try and, and manage, you know, do they – is Wednesday a really busy day in finals week? Okay, maybe we don't you know, practice quite as long on Tuesday. 
um, you know, for us, uh, Thursday was really busy. Today was the busiest day for a lot of guys. So yesterday we, we went really short. Um, you know, a lot of guys are done now. I know only a few guys have finals tomorrow. So today we were able to be in more of a regular routine in terms of practice. But for us, it's, if you have some class obligation, an academic obligation, that is first, go and take care of that. And what we found over the last few years is if guys are organized and uh, doing well off the floor in the classroom, then they just excel better on the floor. You know, if, if the house is out of order off the court, it's tougher to win on the floor. So sure. let's take care of the academic piece first. Makes sense. Uh, you got three non-conference games before you get neck deep in the WIAC. You're at Lawrence coming up here on Saturday or tomorrow. Um, yep. And then you're at St. Norbert early next week or at home against St. Norbert early next week. Take the Christmas holiday and then you play Concordia, Wisconsin just before the new year. Then we get into conference play and you'll start things off at home against Platteville. How important are these three games ahead of that conference schedule? Yeah, we got to keep getting better, um, and we got to keep winning games. You know, every game matters in the eyes of the committee. When we get to the end, it all matters the same. And so we talk about we just we got to win the next one on the schedule. And tomorrow, that's that's the biggest game of the year, uh, as the cliche goes. And um, it is. It's a big game. You know, they're 30 minutes down the road from us, and um, they're going to be riled up and ready to go. Um, and so we got to show up ready to compete and, and play Titan basketball. Um, but we got to continue to get better because we do know what's coming. I mean, when you get to the WEAC, it's, you could lose any night. Um, you could play really well on, on a Wednesday um, and think you're in a good place. And on Saturday, you could get humbled pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so we gotta, we got to continue to get better uh, so we're in a good place come January 2nd. Speaking of the conference, what are you, what are you expecting out of the WIAC uh, this season? You've got Platteville yourselves. You've got Stevens Point. Yeah, it's It's – you know, it's Whitewater. I mean, we and we're not even talking about the Eau Claire River Falls and the, and Stout and the rest who who are going to try and make life miserable. What what are you what are you expecting on a conference play this year, and how do you rise above it? Yeah, it, it's just going to be a war every night, like it always is. Um, you know, we looked at the stats earlier this year in terms of you know number of guys returning, and between our um, you know the top scores in our league, I think it's 22 out of 30 of the top scores return, and um, like eight out of 10 of the the first team guys return. Um, so everybody got older, and so we you know big thing for us is just because we got older and we returned a lot doesn't mean we're going to have more success. You know we've got to go out there and earn it uh, every single night in the we act. And you mentioned a lot of the teams there, and. <laughs> Everybody uh, is gunning uh, to win games yeah. and, and see if they can make a run. Because um, each in our league, if if you can finish top two or three, as we proved last year, finishing third in the league, if if you can do that, you're good enough to make a run. Yeah. Um, so fair. Um, all right. Two questions about the team. What do you guys do really well? What do we do really well? Uh, compete every possession. Okay. Um, that's huge for us. We uh, we. we we're motion, we're man-to-man on the defensive end, and, and we're just really big in that we want to compete every single possession. We're not concerned about the score. Um, and so if it's, you know, if, if we happen to be up a few possessions, can we win the next possession we're in? And I think it goes back to kind of that leadership piece you were talking about. We've got a couple guys that are, that are wired uh, a certain way, and they don't let us do anything besides compete every single possession that we're in. What don't you do well? Well, don't we do well yet? Um, like any, you know, most teams at our level, I'd say we, we struggle to guard the bounce sometimes. Hmm. Um, you know, not not a lot of teams at Division Three are blessed with incredible lateral athleticism. 
Okay. Um, and so we we've got to we've got to continue to to get better at guarding the basketball, um, which is something that our guys need to continue to take pride in. Yeah, I appreciate the frankness. Uh, I'm fascinated with how this wax going to break down. Uh, I'm pretty much buckling up for the unexpected. I don't know if it'll be as crazy as NESCAC soccer was this year, where all the bottom seeds won in the playoffs. Uh, but I'm 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 ready for that uh, at this point in time. Um, you said all three could make a run if you're in the top three. Is it? But how important is a home court advantage in the conference schedule? In I mean the tournament. In the tournament, um, I would say it's huge. I mean that's it's always the goal is to to host uh, that first round, uh, that first weekend of the national tournament. Um, we have not done that here, no. so it's you know, it's definitely something that guys have wanted to do is host that first weekend. Um, but it's also fun to go in the national tournament and play on the road that first weekend yeah. as you get to go to a, new, you know, a hostile environment. Um, it is an advantage. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. At Division Three, it's a financial advantage. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, Very good most, point. I don't know how many people talk about that, but the expense of traveling is, is a real expense for a lot of schools. And, uh, so that's just another thing that factors into it. But no doubt, that, that's a fun thing, and it's a goal is to host that first weekend um, if you're lucky enough to be in. Yeah, well, there's a long way between now and then, obviously, including yeah. the entire gauntlet of what will be the conference schedule. <laughs> uh, Coach, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, yeah. Appreciate you coming on, talking about your team as frankly as you did. If you, as we have a tradition on this show, we always leave the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, uh, appreciate everything you do, Dave. Uh, I got one question for you. Oh, is your passion bucket overflowing tonight? Oh, uh, did someone dare you into a Dan Patrick, sir? No, no. <laughs> That's what we believe in. Wow. I will usually only hear that out of the Dan Patrick show. That's impressive, sir. It it is not overflowing, but it is awfully close to tipping over the over the okay. edge. How's that work for okay. you? Well, um, we can help you. Fly out to Wisconsin, watch some We at Conference play. <laughs> Stay with me and we'll get your passion bucket overflowing. Very nice, sir. Well played. If you didn't know over my right shoulder, I got an Oshkosh jersey. It has been getting plenty of attention this season. <laughs> Uh, if that may be enough to set your passion bucket over the edge because you guys are getting – there are some people asking for the jersey. I don't know necessarily for good reasons. <laughs> uh, Coach, thanks so much. Take care of yourself. Right, thanks, uh, I love the uh, I love the final word there. And uh, happy holidays. We'll talk to you soon. You as well. All right. Bye. Matt Lewis, interim head coach at the sixth-ranked Oshkosh Titans. <laughs> I've never been asked like – I kid you not, if you're a fan of the Dan Patrick Show, folks, you will recognize the passion bucket statement. Uh, I thought there was a reference there, but clearly that is a thing for the Titans, and uh, we will work on maybe getting out to Wyack land, or as he put it, Weack land. I'm from the adage that it's an I, so it can't be we. I know, there's a thing called a we, but it's two I's. Anyway, uh, we're going off the deep end. Um, But anyway, my point being... uh, Maybe we got to get out there to get our passion bucket a little further over the top. Here's the deal. I'm not at Stag Bowl right now. I clearly can tell you my passion bucket would be anywhere close to flowing over if I was at Stag Bowl right now, considering soccer, Stag Bowl, D3 basketball. Um, but that said, I'm enjoying the fact that this is a, a wonderful time of year, and, of course, we're in the middle of basketball season, and nothing's better than D3 basketball, in my opinion. We'll take another break when we come. Well, no, you know what? Yeah, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. 
The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening as we wrap things up. Got a little bit more of that story behind the passion bucket thing from the from the Titans. I won't ruin the whole story, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, if you got questions for us for the last, uh, what, about eight minutes that we're on the air, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got a question from Andrew, who's at football. The usual crew, I'm just not there because they didn't need as much production assistance this year with the Gallardi Trophy not taking place. But it's Pat Coleman, Frank Rossi, uh, Keith McMillan, Adam Turr, uh, and I'm missing one of the guys in there. Greg. Greg's out there as well at the football championships in Shenandoah, Texas. i probably get a two-year reprieve. I suspect my uh, duties at the Stag Bowl will return when it, re when it heads to Canton, Ohio in the year 2020. That's when I suspect I will be back to traveling um, for Stag Bowl at this time of year. Uh, East Texas Baptist defeated Laterno. We didn't know what time the game was starting, but they played, and it wasn't close. Wow. Uh, East Texas Baptist is turning into a juggernaut here, folks. They won 77-44. This is an, now a Laterno team that we know isn't tremendous, but it's just the shows that East Texas Baptist is focused. Um, there's some darn good basketball in, in Texas this year. Easily could see three teams coming out of there. I could e even see four. Should Trinity Texas put it together? And Trinity Texas was having an off year in women's basketball by their standards, and they're still a darn good team. Jeez, what East Texas Baptist, Mary Harden, Baylor, Texas, Dallas are doing is worth watching. Oh, I forgot Austin. There's Austin. <laughs> it is amazing what's going on down there, and I absolutely highly uh, encourage you to check them up. You need a Hope jersey. Well, I don't disagree, but someone's going to have to send one to me, Andrew. Uh, you look great tonight, Dave. We'll be watching Stag Bowl tomorrow night. 
uh, with Miles and Jeff in New Jersey. Oh, that's right, sir, Chris. You are out on a uh, special trip to New Jersey. Uh, I will be watching the Stag Bowl as well. This will be the first time I'm actually sitting and watching the Stag Bowl in nine years. Usually I record on the DVR and head back home, and at some point during the week I'm getting ready for basketball, I turn on the game. And uh, I just realized that will not be the case. I, I can sit and watch it at home, I think. Can I tomorrow night? I might be able to. I might have to. some other people nearby, but we'll have the game on to be sure. Um, wow, that's an interesting point of view. Huh, I just noticed our crawl has ceased to work. I have no idea why. There's uh, no reason that shouldn't be moving across. Let's see. There we go. There. Now we got it moving. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, now, it, yeah, there we go. Uh, good call, Chris. But hey, you have fun at your shindig, sir. Uh, Andrew, back to your point about the Hope jersey. Uh, we, we have jerseys from John Carroll and somewhere else that we haven't hung up yet. We need to hang them up, and we will take whatever jerseys we have. We have jerseys from Brockport, Ramapo, Greensboro, which is buried right now, or Greensville, I should say, which is buried right now. we got to fix that. Ohio Wesleyan, though, we paid for that one. That's the one over my, my left shoulder up here in the corner, number 22. That's signed by Lauren Hill, if anybody doesn't know the story. Lauren Hill has that uh, signed that one. Uh, behind me is the center jersey. We may have to move that one to somewhere else. Uh, Oshkosh is the one that sits there. By the way, uh, the Bish Ohio Wesleyan one is framed because it was a Lauren Hill jersey. We wanted to frame it. Center is framed because it was the first jersey sent to us other than that Ohio Wesleyan one, which we paid for for donations. Uh, then we have the Oshkosh one. You can barely see it, but we do have a New Jersey City one. It's on an opposite corner, you'll notice, from Ramapos. We have John Carroll, and we have another one, and I can't remember who it is, and someone's going to hate me for forgetting who it is. got to get them hung, and then whoever else wants to send one, send one. We'll, we'll do our best. As Hi, Miles. Yeah, you were tagged in a post here on this show. Uh, I was looking at men's basketball scores. MIT ended up winning by 20 over Bridgewater. No surprise there. Loris is going to tip off here in a few minutes against Buena Vista. That's worth watching. Remember Buena Vista under a new head coach. Remember their head coach left Van Haften. Not Van Haften. That's Calvin's coach. I apologize. Vanderstreet. No, that's that's Calvin's. Van Haften. I was right. Sorry. The two of them actually coached together at one time. Van um, Vanderstreet. Oh, come on, Dave. Van Haften was under Vanderstreet at one point. It's the Vanda that's screwing me up there. Anyway, Bunavis is under a new head coach this year, and it's something I've been keeping an eye on just because I'm curious. Um, three and five start in the season. They've uh, lost um, to start the season against a non-division three, beat Bethany Lutheran, Gustavus Adolphus, and Co. Lost to Stevens Point by 15, lost to Elmers by five. It's going to be a rough season, I think, under Todd, uh, Todd Lawrenson, um, but it doesn't mean that, that uh, Vista can't be a tough team. And so we'll keep an eye on that one. Rose Holman is playing Boyce tonight, not to make much of that. Um, Southern Vermont New and uh, Northern Vermont Johnson are playing in battle, basically a battle of the only very few Vermont schools that are, are around. Um, there's really not a lot of else going on in men's basketball tonight. I'm trying to see. St. Joseph's Maine also beat Maine Farmington in women's basketball tonight. Oh, we didn't mention this, but it's a little hint. Uh, I, maybe I did mention a couple shows ago. It's a little bit of a blur. SUNY Delhi has announced it's moving to the NAC uh, starting next season. Keep an eye on that. That's what I believe is the tip of the iceberg of what will be a some bigger moves in the future that will have a ripple effect. It will have an absolute ripple effect across the board in Division Three, and I'm I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. 
Um, another top 25 comes out on Monday. We'll talk more about that on Sunday's show. I don't see a lot of movement, but there's a handful of games in here that we got to keep an eye on. I mean, St. Thomas is playing Trinity, Texas. We mentioned coming up here. Trinity, Texas is getting votes. Um, St. Thomas is playing them coming up on Saturday. No, Sunday. So a game to keep an eye on. We told you Thomas Moore, who's who's playing uh, Baldwin-Wallace tomorrow, who's nationally ranked, or Thomas Moore is playing Baldwin-Wallace. We'll probably play Hope, who's nationally ranked. We, we could have a battle there of two top four teams come Saturday. That will be worth watching the rest of the weekend. Uh, Scranton is playing, this is women's basketball, is going to be playing Ithaca and Capital this weekend. Uh, Scranton's in for its probably its biggest test of the year. Though they absolutely smoked York, which really surprised me. Uh, because I thought York would be more competitive. Uh, York is still finding themselves, but I thought they'd be more competitive. I tell you the Messiah-Albright game would be worth turning into, but Albright not the same team they've been the last couple of years. I think Messiah is going to get an easy victory there. Um, Mary Harden Baylor is not much on the radar. They're playing the Ozarks this week. It's not worth writing home about, to be blunt. Baldwin Wallace actually has a big weekend. They played a week. They played Capital earlier and beat them by 12. Um, they have Thomas Moore, as we mentioned, and then if things are right, they've got um, Hope uh, or they got Finlandia. Somebody's going to have to play Finlandia besides Hope. I find it interesting. Hope was smart. They, they pitted Baldwin Wallace and Thomas Moore against each other. Um, other games that jump out of me, Ithaca's had an interesting weekend at 6-1. and one. They played Rochester and defeated them. Rochester, just not the team everyone thought they uh, – well, let me phrase that. I, Rochester's exactly who I thought they were going to be. Rochester, not the team everyone else thought they would be. Uh, they will take on Capital this weekend and then Scranton, kind of a hint of what we were talking about earlier. We talked about the Muhlenberg game against Moravian. These are just games I think you should tune into this weekend. Um, Trinity's going to play Augsburg before they play St. Thomas. Well, the Augsburg game might be worth – tuning in for as well on the men's side of things uh, nebraska wesleyan is going to take on george fox you should probably check that one out george fox can be tricky um i, I don't know what's if that ends up being anything but we'll keep an eye on that one other games that jump out of me stevens point will take on st thomas that game coming up uh to saturday that'll be a game worth watching to be sure um there's another one in here Really? Well, by the way, Nichols 9-0 this season. New coach, and they're still playing well. There's another story kind of like Oshkosh. We'll have to get Nichols on the show sometime soon to talk about all of that. Christopher Newport's going to play Virginia Wesleyan. I'm going to have an eye on that one because I think Virginia Wesleyan, they aren't tremendous this year, but they've been buggers, and I think they can give Christopher Newport a game. Other games that are taking place... By the way, Amherst beat Springfield. Springfield's in a little bit of trouble. The injury to Ross has really kind of caused problems, and I think Springfield's going to have to figure out how to right the ship at some point to position themselves should they not win the conference. We talked about that last week. Uh, Lynchburg is playing McDaniel on uh, Saturday in men's basketball, Sunday in men's basketball. That might be an interesting game. Wheaton uh, beat Platteville, now they'll take on North Central. That game you should circle. That game will be good. Um, Oswego's taking on St. Lawrence. That'll be worth watching, I think. WPI will take on Husson. It may not be a big game, but WPI's trying to stay undefeated. Husson could give them a game for it. Platteville and Hope is definitely worth watching this weekend in men's basketball. 
Um, New Jersey City and TCNJ is going to be worth watching on Saturday for sure. So there you go. That's kind of those are kind of what I'm looking at in men's and women's basketball this season, and that draws us to a close on the show. Yes, Andrew, I will see you on Sunday. We'll be on the air 7 o'clock Eastern time. Already got a couple of guest ideas on the women's side. Got to get a couple more on the men's side, and we will be good to go. We'll probably see if we can get Bob and um, Ryan on the show to go through our early season thoughts before we take a break. So that's what we'll plan on doing. If you've got guest ideas or thoughts or whatever you want, Email them, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can always join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville as well. And, of course, um, you can follow us on Instagram to find out who we have uh, guests on shows too, at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville there as well. want to thank uh, Charles Katsiafikas from Pomona Pizza for coming on the show, Ron Roan from Muhlenberg, Madison Temple from Thomas Moore, and Matt Lewis from Oshkosh. And, of course, all the sports information directors who helped us out with those uh, guests as well, Mike from Muhlenberg, for example, uh, Corey from Saint from Thomas More. I was about to call him Saint Thomas from Thomas More, and and others. I want to thank them for their time. And of course, those of the SIDs who tuned in as well. Thank you for your time. If you got questions, you know how to get a hold of us. Thanks to our guests for coming on, Keenan, by the way, from Oshkosh. I want to thank him as well. Um, we're going to take a break. Back on the air Sunday. We'll then give you an update on what Thursday's show will looks like. We're going to double check how many games are really taking place next week. See if Thursday's show makes any sense. Just as we always double check. In the meantime, enjoy the Stag Bowl. Root on Division Three if you can. You know, the game is at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPNU. And of course, you can tune in the game there. Tune in the audio broadcast. Sync them if you can. And listen to Pat Coleman, Keith McMillan, and the boys call the game. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support, and, of course, those at D3Hoops.com. We have more to add to that list as the season progresses. I've made that promise every show. I will be living up to that promise shortly. I promise you. Again, uh, if you would like to use any of this show over, we certainly appreciate that, but please just email us as Hoopsville is the copyrighted um, entity of Hoopsville, DMAC Productions, and myself, we just want to know if you're using it, and we want to give our formal permissions should you like to use it again. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate it. Fun show. We'll see you back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern. Good night, everybody.